hey, my name's Mel. And I'm not sure how you found me, but I'm really glad that you're here. I've been wanting to start a podcast for quite some time. The only problem was I had no idea what conversation I wanted to bring to the table. I'm a floral designer professionally. I own a company called The Flower Social, where I get to teach people how to make beautiful flower arrangements. So naturally, I thought the conversation had to be about flowers. But I was being drawn to another conversation. I've been through a lot of shit in my life, and I have a sneaky feeling I'm not the only one. In fact, I know that I'm not. Because I have a lot of brave women in my life who've shared their stories with me. Stories of divorce, infidelity, miscarriages, cancer, and even cults. And you know what the common theme is? Resilience. Myself and these women came up against the unimaginable, and we all made it to the other side, to a place that we didn't even know existed. The thing about trauma, loss, disappointment, and uncertainty is it doesn't last forever, even when it feels like it will. And on the other side is freedom, humility, vulnerability, and hope. So I wanted to create a space for women to share their stories so other women could be inspired, and most importantly, not feel alone. So join me as we tell our stories, and hopefully we can inspire you to bloom again no matter where you find yourself. Oh yeah, and the flower pun, it was definitely intended. again the podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode because we have an amazing, amazing, resilient woman with us today. Her name is Vasvi Kumar. Hi, Vas. Hey, Melly. How are Hi. you? I'm can so I call excited. you Melly on the podcast? I could call you Melly, right? You totally can. So, okay. well, I also normally start with kind of sharing how I know each guest because it's normally, a, I, so far I've kind of known everybody pretty personally or, or been friends with them or have some sort of background. So, you and I, we've met, well, we met a long, a couple years ago. Three right? years ago, three, three years, years ago. ago. Mm-hmm. So we met three years ago, but we recently reconnected again. And uh, Vasavi is actually my business coach slash therapist. She's kind of a unicorn. She's both. She does everything, but which I'm sure we'll talk about that. But three years ago, we connected when she was um, a host on a local Austin news channel. So I'm sure we're going to talk about all that. That's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on, because I think that your story and your journey to like, really what I think your true calling is, is what you're doing right now. But I know you have, you've done a lot of things to get there. So I just wanted people to hear your story and and us to have a conversation about it. Cause I know there's a lot of people listening or maybe out there that haven't found that sweet spot for themselves yet. And stories like yours are just so inspiring. So welcome. And I'm so excited. Thanks, Mel, for having me on. Yeah, it's interesting because when you met me in 2018, so this just goes to show the um, the change in career paths, right? And I, I'm sharing this because I want everyone listening to really hear themselves in this, right? Like giving yourself permission to change your goddamn mind. You're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to change your career path. You're, you, you know, if you're in business, you're allowed to change your niche. You're allowed to change your audience. You're allowed to grow. You're allowed to outgrow versions of yourself. And so when you met me in 2018, 
I wasn't going by licensed therapist. I mean, I was a licensed therapist in the state of Texas and I still am, but you met me in the capacity of being um, a morning show co-host here uh, here in Austin, Texas. And so that's how we met. I did not last at that job for very long because I don't think that's where I was meant to be. I mean, I think, you know, when, if you are, if you are, you know, uh, gently exited from a situation, you should take that as God's way of being like, you are not meant to be here. It's not a good fit. So then I went back into my business as, um, I went back into my business as a business coach and, you know, using my therapeutic background as a licensed therapist. And that's when you reached out to me and that's what I am that's what I've been doing. I, I mean, I've been, I mean, I've been in business for 10 years doing that, you know, but I've, I've always been very drawn to television, being on camera. And really what it boils down to Mel is being seen and being visible, which is the work that I do anyway, as a therapist is helping women see themselves for who they are. And so where I'm at currently today, as we speak, I have rebranded this being boss bitch Vasavi. <laughs> and I I'm going that. I'm just really happy about it. I'm happy about it because it feels so aligned. Um, I am an on-camera confidence coach and content creation coach, but which is so aligned with everything that I'm always saying is to allow yourself, your words, your face, your message to be seen and visible through your content and on camera, which if you're in business, you need to be on video, period. There's no arguing about it. And so that's just kind of my pivot. And I'm still, you know, I'm still using my therapeutic skills because I think, Anytime I talk to clients about putting themselves out there, fear of rejection comes up, fear of outshining one another comes up. So I still get to be, play the role of a therapist. You know what I mean? I still always will bring those qualities to the table, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this new change in my life and in my business. I'm really excited for you because I, I mean, I've, I've definitely, even though that maybe wasn't specifically what you were doing when I reconnected with you, I've, I've definitely found value in it for my own business and and things like that being on camera. So I I can relate to everything that you're sharing, but okay, before we get to that part, because I want to really dig into that more. I do though, I always love to start with the guests to kind of share a little bit about your background and your upbringing, because I think it really paints a picture for our listeners of like how we grew up, where we grew up, like, and also kind of how it has impacted us today. So do you want to start there and tell us a little bit about where you're from? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to share my childhood story as a way to really set the scene of who I am today and also how it shaped some of the decisions that I've made throughout my life. So I'm a first generation Indian immigrant. My parents came here from India in 1975 after they got married. And I, you know, my sister was born in New York. I was born in New York. Um, and you know, we were raised in a very traditional Indian household, you know, very, it was, it was, it was very quite, quite conservative, quite traditional. One thing now looking back though, my mom has always been very much a feminist and has always like trained my sister and I to be psychologically, emotionally, and financially independent because I think it's all the things that she wanted for herself. She was always very financially Mm -hmm. independent, but emotionally it was a little harder for her. And I think it's just the way women in, of Indian descent are trained, like to stand there by our man and just do whatever. Anyway, I was raised in this house where, you know, I grew up in an all white town. So I was too Indian for the white kids at school. And I was afraid to be too Americanized at home 
because then my mom would always be like, well, you know, you're not white. Don't act like you're white. Right. And then mm. at school, I was teased for smelling like curry or my mom would come to, you know, my musical concerts and PTA meetings. And she was very proud of her heritage. And she always wore a dot on her head. It's called a bindi and kids would make fun of me. So I never really felt like anywhere was safe for me. I wasn't safe at home. And, and I want to say this, like, my, my parents were ex, are excellent parents, but I think they were just doing the best they could being new immigrants in this country as well. Um, and just trying to navigate a very, you know, you know, brand new, uh, you know, just a brand new culture. And so for me, like, I just, I just learned how to mold from a very young age. I'm, I, I was a chameleon from a very young mm-hmm. age. Like, you know, at the age of 12, I wanted to really fit in with the popular girls. And so I started smoking cigarettes with them. And then you know, at the age of 17, I, I you know, I, I uh, had my first drink. I, I, I had my first sexual experience and it was just, I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to do the things that I thought I needed to do to just play it safe. Right. And playing it safe right. for me always ended up meaning that always meant that I had to go against my values, right? Like the values that I was raised with and just what I thought was appropriate or not for me, like for me, giving somebody a blowjob in 11th grade was not necessarily the life that I had envisioned for myself in the backseat of someone's green Camry. But there I go doing what I do because all I really wanted was to be accepted. Right. So that just kind of shows like just kind of where my head was at. And I, this all really stems from never quite feeling comfortable and safe anywhere. I never felt, and especially in my body, right. I, I, from a very young age, I, I I found myself floating and it's called dissociation, right? Where something could be happening right in front of you, but it's so painful that you just kind of float away. And so you're, it's like, you're, you're headless almost like you're just w- witnessing yourself having this experience. Um, so you disassociate your mind, your body, and your spirit is all just kind of separated and fragmented. I did that from a very young age and I didn't really have a connection with my body. And even from a very young age, you know, as Indian girls, we were not allowed to show our arms. We were not allowed to show clearly any sort of cleavage or anything like that or our legs. And so didn't, you know, and, and if we did want to talk about sex, we were considered dirty. Um, I remember when my mom uh, first found out that I masturbated, she <laughs> sat me down. I was uh, 11 years old and she said to me, please stop like touching yourself, like go study instead. So I poured myself into being very accomplished. I am a high achiever. But a lot of my high achievements has always been fueled by um, like running from myself almost, you know, it's like, I, I wonder, and I'm, and I'm grateful for it, Mel, because I don't think I would have been able to maybe get, who knows, get my two masters, my Ivy League education, you know, getting TV spots, making great money, doing great in business, being who I am. I don't regret any of it, but I do know that where I've come from has always been, and what I've done throughout my life has always been fueled by a feeling of not enoughness. And everything that I've always done my whole life has always been fueled by pay attention to me. I'm important. Please just see me, you know, and because I wanted to be seen, I had such a deep desire to be seen and validated just for me. I just wanted to be seen for me. And I thought I had to do all the things. I thought I had to get the Ivy League education. I thought I had to be the prettiest. I had to be the smartest, the sharpest, the quickest, the all the things. And that led me to uh, pick wrong partners. And by wrong, I mean wrong for me. Like there's nothing wrong with their existence, just wrong for me. So I often found myself dating down 
And I, I think the reason why I dated down is because when I dated down, and I don't mean I'm better than, and these men were less than, I mean that it was an easy win for me because as long as these men were not on my energetic level or just kind of caliber of thinking, I was always put on a pedestal, right? So I always dated down because it was easy for me to be seen by somebody who was like, oh my God, you're amazing. So I always, I dated down. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And that led me to a lot of, bad decisions like, you know, using drugs and alcohol because the company that you keep, you, you end up becoming like the company that you, that you keep and especially romantically as well. So now I can say I'm in a place where I am very intentional about every decision that I make. If I'm going to make a decision to pivot, for example, if I'm going to make a decision to raise my prices, if I'm going to make it, any decision I make is always, I have to check in first. I have to ask myself, am I making this decision from a thirsty, desperate need for validation or am I doing it because it feels aligned? And so that's where I'm at today. Yeah. And that all kind of is in alignment with sort of everything you're saying about your upbringing and all that stuff. And you mentioned a little bit about, you know, drugs and relationships. Was there like a point, and I know that you you have many degrees. So (laughs) was it like after college, and like relationships later in your life that, that you started noticing this? Was there like a particular relationship that kind of woke you up to this, this process? Oh, uh, yes, that's a great question. And it's interesting because, and by the way, I'm going to answer your question, but I do want to say that this is really interesting that I didn't go deep into the addiction piece. I want your audience to hear, like, we often hold on to stories that we think define us. And usually on podcast interviews, I will talk about every single detail of my addiction story. And it just made me realize because you're digging a little deeper. And I I realized that I didn't go deeper because I think I've outgrown this story for myself. So I just want your audience to hear it's, it's okay to outgrow your story. I'm okay sharing it right now on this podcast, but I have outgrown my addiction story and my, and that like, it's no longer what I identify with. It's a part of my life and it happened but I'm up to other things now, but I think it's just great. Like, I'm just like, oh shit, I didn't even go into that. And I'm so used to talking about my addiction story. So you're allowed to outgrow yourself and stuff that you've held on to that you think has defined you. So I dabbled with drugs and alcohol, like most teenagers did in college, freshman year, uh, and, you know, freshman and sophomore years when I started dabbling more with cocaine and alcohol. Um, and I, you know, I drank all the time and I used to take bong hits before my, you know, eight o'clock class. I mean, it was, um, it was eight o'clock in the morning. Like who, I, I, of course I needed a bong hit. So, but then I, I, I did transfer home, um, sophomore year of college and the drugs were like a little bit here and there, you know, it wasn't terrible. It, 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 I was functioning. Okay. I was able to get my first master's. I, I met my then husband, um, we're divorced, who was a nice Indian man. And he, uh, as I said this on our wedding video, I said, he saved me from myself. So that's just kind of where my head was at. I was looking to be saved hmm. by somebody. Yeah. So were you guys, a lo- were you a, like a love marriage or was it an arranged marriage or was it a, I love that, you know, that terminology, uh, we were, we, we were a love <laughs> marriage. We were a love marriage. Actually. I met him. Um, I met him this, I met him a junior year of college and undergrad and, um, his family owned a convenience store across the street from my college. I went to college when I transferred home. Hofstra university on long Island. And I was buying uh, Corona's and a pack of blunts from him. That's what I was doing. Yes. And I, uh, I asked him out on a date. I mean, I, I was buying some Dutch masters and I was buying some Corona's. That, that's what I was doing back in the day. And you asked him out on a date. Mm-hmm. You know I what I kind of love about that though, from knowing, knowing you now, I feel like 
you asking some someone out on a date that you will eventually marry in this story of your life is like exactly right. Like you always are such a go for what you want and, you know, make it happen type person. So, so how long were you guys married? How long were you together? Well, we were together for a total of 10. So 10 years. So I got married when I, I met him when I was 22. We got married when I was 28 and we got divorced by the time I was 32. Now I know from knowing you, but I, I really kind of want to share this with the listeners because, and, and for those that might be going through this, because I know you've shared with me, like culturally divorce, isn't really something that is like, yay, you're getting divorced. I, I mean, I know in a lot of people's upbringings and families, like look, divorce is not celebrated, but you've shared that it like, it's a, it is a much bigger deal in your culture. So oh, how yeah, is absolutely. that for you to like navigate that decision and really like make that choice for yourself? So I'll tell you this, I, and this was so telling on my wedding day, they captured this in the video. Um, they asked me if I'm going to change my last name. I go, no, I'm not, I'm not going to change my last name. Like I just, and it, that just showed me. And by the way, I, I don't, I don't really ever think about changing my last name. It's my name. Why, why do I have to give you my, why do I have to take your name? I've always thought that way and that's fine. Um, and then I also said in my wedding, wedding video, like, oh, I don't want to have kids. And he's aware of that too. And I was just like saying all these things. And I remember having a thought in my head when we were, when we, when I was getting dressed in like nine yards of silk, I remember jokingly say this, saying this to my mother and sister, they were the only two in the room. I said, well, whatever, if, if this, if this marriage doesn't work out, I'll leave. And my mom was like, oh, hell no, you're not going to leave because they're like, you know how much money this wedding is. But I remember thinking to myself, I'm not going to stay in a situation if this doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. I knew that for myself. However, second year into marriage, we would fight all the time. It was always about the same thing. It was always about him hiding secrets from me about how much money he was giving to his family. It was always about money and it was secrets. And I'm like, mm-hmm. my number one thing is, listen, I'm a ride or die bitch. Don't lie to me. Just don't lie to me. I can handle anything. I will be there by your side. I will, I will, we will work through it as a, as a, as a uh, partnership. Just don't lie to me. And so there are a lot of lies and we did a bunch of therapy and all this stuff. But I remember thinking to myself, if I only had more money, I would leave your ass. And I remember thinking that, um, and my ex-husband and I are on okay terms. Like he's newly married. He has a, he has a newborn baby, very happy for him. Like there's no hard feelings between us at all whatsoever. But that's why I think I'm so passionate about women being financially independent. So they never feel like that has to be a reason why you stick around with someone. The decision for me yeah. to actually leave um, was very easy. Well, 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 the actual serving of the papers part was very easy because once I make up my mind, I'm done. In my, it, I, have to, I have to make up my mind in my heart first and then it travels to my mind and then it's like, boom, I'm done. So I was in culinary school. Oh, that's another career trajectory. I had moved to Austin with my uh, ex-husband. We were living in Kansas when we got married, moved to Austin, went to culinary school, did that for a year, And then I went to India for three months and I went to India to have my own little eat, pray, love journey. And I was on top of a mountain and I said to myself, I need to give myself three months to decide whether I really want to be in this marriage. But the thing is, I didn't need three months. I didn't need, I already knew. I just needed to get the fuck away and just have some silence. And when I got back to Austin uh, on September 11th, went to the courthouse downtown, got the papers. We didn't have kids. We'd have any assets together. We didn't have any of that. So it was easy peasy. Went to the courthouse, came home the next day. I go, Hey, I got the, I got the divorce papers. I think it's time. And he goes, okay. And he signed it. And that was it. Three months later, we were divorced. That was it. And I will tell you this. I made that decision, Mel, to go to the courthouse, get the paperwork, give it to him. I didn't tell anyone. I only told my parents after it was done. 
Why do you think you made that decision? Why or how? Why? Uh, I just didn't, I stopped caring. Yep. I just stopped caring. And I know me and I know me very well. I will care almost to the detriment of my own soul and my own spirit. And I just stopped caring. And once I stopped giving an F, once I stopped caring, I knew it was, it was done. There's, there was no coming back. And I lost respect for him too. And I lost respect for myself. I, Mm -hmm. I, I did not like who, who I had become in that marriage. I became very angry. I became very bitter. Um, I became a dishonest person. I said hurtful things. And I, I just didn't, I didn't have the energy to work on myself while I was still with him. And I, I was, it was deteriorating him. It was deteriorating me. And I said, we're done. And he didn't, he didn't contest it. And we never talked about reconciliation. It was just like, we're done. We're just, thanks for all the memories. Thank you for bringing me to this point, but we're done. Yeah, it was easy. And you know what? There's absolutely no hard feelings. In fact, I think he feels worse. Last time I spoke to him, he said he felt guilty. I said, listen, go enjoy your married life. Go enjoy your newborn baby. I'm good. Don't worry about it. Um, but my, my mother was not happy. She said, we're, they were not happy with my divorce. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's like, you know, however many years ago that was to now, which how many years ago was that from when you got divorced to now? I got divorced in uh, 2014. So it's been seven years since I've been divorced. Seven years. So mm-hmm. it's like, I just, I, you know, it's, it's amazing how you can be, have such an intimate experience with somebody for so long. And then like, it's almost like overnight you become strange. I can relate to what you're saying. My divorce mm-hmm. was very similar. We didn't have kids. We didn't have assets. It was just like, sign the papers, be done. Really? Yeah. And it's just kind of, I, there is a part of me that does feel guilty for all the people that are listening that had to go through these like terrible, like mm-hmm. tumultuous re- divorces and with kids and uh, all that stuff. But um, it isn't always necessarily easy emotionally, but yeah. the process of it, it is pretty easy. So um, anyways, it's, I, I think that just is, it doesn't matter if the process of it is easy, it's still hard to, you know, work through it all. And here you are seven years later and, you know, yeah. I'm sure stuff happened in between. And I don't know if there's anything in that seven years that kind of you want to share that, that has gotten you to sort of where you are in your, you know, your journey with resilience now, or if you felt like you've changed in that time, even that seven years, because you were kind of married as long as you haven't been right. Yes. So I was, well, I was with him for a total of 10 years and now I've, and now it's been seven years since the divorce, but it, that's a great question. In those seven years, I had to learn the lessons very, in a very hard way. I wish I could be like, I got divorced and then I started living my best single life. Like, absolutely not. It's so funny when you decide that you want something different in your life, the universe will test you to see how bad do you want it. Oh because, my God, girl, I know. Dude, the, the, the declaration that I made after I got divorced, I moved out a few months after our divorce was final. I moved out in February. Our divorce was final in that November. And I said, I'm going to live on my own. I get to start over. I'm going to be all by myself. I'm going to just, I'm just going to really get to know myself. How funny. My whole brand is about knowing yourself. Like I was all about knowing myself. And I, and I, and I enrolled in this group therapy for myself, for people who are healing, but it was a mixture of people in this group therapy. One of the men who happened to be in the group therapy was a guy that was eight years younger than me who had just come out of rehab. So you get this mixed bunch in the group therapy. I was, I was not the therapist. I was there to heal. And I got distracted. I got distracted by this guy. And then that there, it happens. It happens to the best of us. And I won't get into all the details, but I will say the most important piece is like, when you say that you want something, 
you will be tested. You will be tested. And all I kept saying was, I want to be alone. I want to be alone. I want to get to know myself. I don't want to be with somebody. And then I met this guy. And a few months later, you know, he moves in with me and um, he's a recovering addict. And so in that relationship, what ended up happening was, you know, that's when really my patterns of codependency got highlighted. Um, how much of myself I was willing to sacrifice so I could keep him. It's funny because I really thought that I could be alone. I really wanted that too, right? And then we get distracted and then we're like, oh, I forgot how good it was to be with someone. And we just kind of lose sight of the promise that we make to ourselves. And so I got into this relationship with this guy and I've talked about this plenty on my on my episode too and on other people's episodes about uh, other people's podcasts about how I got into this relationship with this person and I lost myself to the, to the extent that I, I don't think I've ever, I went so far left or far, I don't care what direction, but let's just say I went, polar opposite to what I am today. I did things that I never thought I would do. I engaged in behaviors that I never thought I would, I would, I would engage in and all because I was so afraid of being alone and losing him. So I ended up becoming like him. I ended up mm. doing things that he wanted. I remember, and I'm going to just share this story because this, this story really sticks out for me. I remember one of the first nights that I was in my new place and he came over and all I wanted was for him to be entertained. I just wanted, I, cause you know, that, that's what I could really see now looking back a lot of my codependent ten, uh, tendencies. It's like, it's my job to make you happy. I have to make yeah. sure you're entertained. You're entertained. So I was like, what do you want to do? He's like, well, I'm fucking bored sitting here. I was like, what do you want to do? He's like, let's go to the strip club. So I said, okay. I said, let's go. Even though I have no freaking desire to go to a strip club, I have nothing. Listen, if you want to go do that, that's fine. That's not how I want to spend my night. We went to a strip club. I paid for him to get lap dances. I, I, I mean, and I'm just looking. And when I, when I tell this story to you and I look back at that Vasavi that did that, I don't judge her. I don't think mm -hmm. she's an awful person. Right. I see someone who was just so empty and wanting to have love and affection and attention and companionship. And so I did what I thought I had to do anything to keep this person in my life, including develop, you know, um, develop a cocaine addiction, um, which went from one day a week to five to six days a week, and then eventually having to go to rehab twice. So uh, sober now by the grace of God, almost over two years, not almost. Two, I, it's so funny. Once I hit that two year mark, I, it's just kind of, I, I don't think about the days anymore, but yeah, over mm -hmm. two years now, um, free from cocaine. And um, yeah, I just feel that, that relationship, so I believe that every relationship teaches you what you need to give yourself. My relationship with Ashish, who is my ex-husband, um, taught me not to rush into things and not just mm. be in a relationship because you're, you're a certain age or, oh, you know, or you just, you just settle for the first thing that you meet someone who gives you a morsel of attention. My relationship with Dario, who was my rebound gone for, you know, end up turning up in four years was showed me how little, how, how much of myself I was willing to sacrifice so I could just keep a little bit of love and attention in my life. Um, and then how also how shitty my coping skills were. And I don't say that with any judgment towards myself, Mel, I did not know how to cope with any painful emotion. And I used drugs and alcohol to deal with that. Um, so yeah, that really highlighted my codependent tendencies. And then my third relationship and final for now, for right now, <laughs> <laughs> with Ben, who I do still love very much. I'm just going to be honest with your audience. I do love him very much, um, but we're just not an energetic match just based on where I'm at and where he's at. I love him very much. And I will say that I have, you know, I want to talk shit, but I won't because I do love him. Um, 
But what I'm learning with him is that you cannot control anybody. You, and you cannot save anyone. And I've always known this lesson, but I cannot save someone who's not willing to love and respect themselves. And that's the biggest lesson that I've had to learn in that relationship, which has freed me up to love and respect myself and to save myself, you know? That's what I find though so inspiring about each of those, you know, kind of the relationships and what you shared is if we as you know, people that go through something, if you can really sit down and say, what did I learn about myself through this relationship? I mean, that really is powerful. And I don't know that people spend time doing that. So I think that's a great thing for people listening to hear and to maybe even be an exercise of, because you could have gone through a breakup or a relationship years and decades ago and not have done that or thought about that, you know? So. Well, I will say this to you. I think um, the, the mindset shift needs to be, especially if you're holding on to anger, resentment, and energy. I knew for me, Mel, I didn't want to hold any energy towards these men in my life. So I wanted the same amount of energy that I would have if you were to ask me, Voss, what did you eat last week for lunch? I'd be like a sandwich, or I wouldn't even remember, right? It, it holds no energy in my body. I knew that I did not want to, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person is going to be killed. I didn't right. want to hold on to that energy. So for me, in order to not feel like a victim, I had to ask myself, how did I allow this relationship to be the way that it was? Where did I fall short? Where did I sell myself short? How did I allow this in my life? What lesson did I need to learn? Focus was less on them and more about me. And what I realized about myself is that I um, can be very manipulative in relationships. I know how to seduce a man. I know how to keep a man. And then I, and I know how controlling I am in relationships. So it really taught me and sh- shined a light on all the things in my life that I needed to work on within myself that I have control over. I have control over myself. I don't have control over anybody else. And that's, um, that's, you know, th- that is definitely the game changer has been the game changer for me. That's yeah. And you know, it's funny for me, it's like each time I go through a relationship or a breakup, it's almost like I can get like more honest with myself. I don't know if it's also an age thing. Cause obviously when I got divorced and married, I was very, was very young, but now it's like thing, you know, how you just shared, it's like the things that I'm realizing about myself through mm-hmm. relationships are so much deeper and so much more profound and where I can be even so much more honest with myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for that to, to be able to do that. Cause I know a lot of people can't let go of the resentment or the anger piece. And I was, I mean, with my ex-husband, I was angry for a while. I held mm-hmm. on to that anger because it was mine and I wanted to hold on to it. Yeah. And when I finally released it, you know, I really could find a space in my heart to hold love and gratitude towards him and his, you know, his new life. Our paths are very similar, you and I, cause my ex-husband now has a baby as well. And you know, doing very well. And there's no hard feelings there either, but it took me a while to let go of that anger. And with us, nothing really even happened necessarily. We just kind of like fell apart over a long period of time. So I can relate to what you're saying. So I'm glad that you shared that. So other people can kind of hear your process with it. Do you feel like everything that you're doing now, especially professionally, like for people listening, what, what can you share about that? Because I know sometimes when we're going through stuff emotionally and, and I can speak to this, cause that's kind of why I reached out to you initially. Um, and I think we've been working together for what, like eight months now. It's been Maybe? so long. Yeah. So long, but it's long, like but sometimes yes. when you're going through something emotionally, you know, that's when you, you need the most help or you need the most support. Like what I know, obviously you shared, you went to rehab and stuff, but was there another moment for you when you really like kind of shifted your business concept and you just did all that where you, you knew, or you wanted to make that change? 
Yeah. So I don't think, no, not, I don't think it, I know it was not one specific thing, but mm -hmm. I will, I will say this, how your romantic life directly affects how you're showing up in your business. And I know you and I have maybe talked about this, but how the reason why I've made this pivot in my business as now an on-camera confidence coach and content creation coach, because I've, I have consistently worked on dissolving my ego, right? Like where in my business, where in my life is my ego still running the show? And my business was one area, especially this title of being a licensed therapist and Ivy League educated. And I'm still all those things. If you look me up in, on the state of Texas, I'm still a licensed therapist. I went to Columbia and I went, but the persona, and I don't want to call it a persona. I, don't, I, I actually want to rephrase that. How I was marketing myself to the outside world as a licensed therapist, which I, I think I'm excellent at what I do no longer felt energetically aligned for me. So I can, I will still listen deeply to my clients. You and I know this. I mean, you know this, you can still talk to me and I'm still going to have my therapist hat on, but how I, I mean, how it directly affects to how I was marketing myself in my business. I love, I love doing the work that I do, whether it's on a therapeutic emotional level or it's a business level, or, you know, business strategy, getting yourself visible. And what I've been thinking a lot more in my life, it's just been like, what brings more fun into my life? What is easier for me? What comes so effortlessly for me that I could do it all day yes. and just talk about it? And it really is taking your genius, taking your brilliance, turning it into digestible content for your audience. Just like, I just love, I just love the creative aspect of that. Right. Yeah. And then, and then helping you with um, putting yourself on camera. How do you make sure that you're showing up with that genuine presence? Now, the reason why I think it's taken me this long and I'm not going to say this long because there's no race or finish line, but it's taken me, it's taken me time because there was a worth issue, right? Because in my relationship, my previous romantic relationship, the most recent one that ended with Ben, there was definitely a lot of worth issues running the show, right? Um, there was a lot of like, I can't believe he doesn't want me. I'm amazing. Well, if he doesn't want me, then I must not be good enough. And so so let's just stick with that. I must not be good enough. That I, I, I must not have what it takes to keep somebody or I'm not good enough. And so, so let's just hold on to that for a sec. And then in my business, even though I was noodling on the idea of doing this on-camera confidence coaching and content creation, this has been on my mind for months, by the way. I No one right. knows this, but I'm just sharing this with you on the Bloom Again podcast. It's been on my mind for a lot, but there was this worth conversation happening in the background already romantically. So, but then when I was thinking about the business piece of things, that worth conversation was still there, even though it had nothing to do with my business. I am extremely confident and qualified and feel very uh, in my, in my natural state being an on-camera confidence coach and content creation. But that's the thing. You are one whole human being. You cannot compartmentalize like, oh, I'm fantastic in business, but in my uh, romantic life, I feel like a piece of shit. That yeah. shit's gonna bleed <laughs> over. And I was bleeding on myself. I was literally bleeding internally. Yeah. So in my, I, so I looked at in my romantic life, in what area of my life do I feel um, the smallest? Mm. And it was my romantic life. I felt very small. I felt very insignificant in my romantic life. In my business life, I felt great. My clients love me. They stick with me. They keep renewing with me. People love my content. I'm on fire, all the things. I feel great. I'm so confident. I'm untouchable in my business. Like, I don't, like, I'm unfuckwithable, right? Like, that's how I feel. I feel so good about myself. So I had to get the romantic piece handled. And for me, what that looked like 
was to let him go. And that doesn't mean I never talk to him again. No, I don't, I don't never not talk to him again. I still sometimes engage with him. Mm-hmm. It's not as, as uh, often as it used to be, but the mindset, my mind around it and the way I look at him is just like, he is not for me. I am releasing control. I am releasing control of the situation, how he chooses to live his life, what he chooses to do on the weekends. What, I mean, all the, you know, you know how our minds go. Oh, I, I mean, know. We are like this, like dark, gloomy jungle board. And we can yeah. literally, we can create such stories in our mind. Like, oh my God, why is he active on Facebook messenger three hours ago? What is he doing? Like all the things, right? Yeah. So that's, that's what I've been really working on to be honest, just be, you know, completely transparent. I don't even know if you and I have talked about this, but the letting go and just being like, you know what? And here's another thing, this belief and this deep knowing that my presence alone is worthy. I don't need to do more to get your love. I don't need to say more. I don't need to perform. I don't need to be prettier. I don't need to be smarter. I don't need to be more of anything. I just need to be myself and you're so lucky to be in my presence. So that's the mindset shift that I have to do with myself. And the way for me to really do that is start valuing my own presence when I'm alone. Like when I'm alone, do I actually enjoy being with me? Yes, I do. When I'm sad, am I kind to myself? Yes, or am I reaching out to him? Am I reaching out for this? I had to get clear on my own worthiness first because it has nothing to do with him at the end of the day. It has nothing to do with him. It had to do with me not realizing that my presence alone is worthy and I don't have to do anymore that I'm already doing other than to simply show up and shine like the fucking star that I am. Do you know what I mean? I had to get clear on that myself. I love that. Nothing to do with him. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's such a valuable message for people listening about the whole like the imbalance. Like if one part of your life is really working and one isn't, I don't know though. I mean, we, we talked about that maybe like six or so months ago. It never really dawned on me, but it seems like such an obvious concept, but you know, people who are, I think, you know, type A or entrepreneurial or, you know, I'm a Capricorn. So I like to control everything, but like, because I think people that tend to be that way, it's more so even, even a little bit harder to come to that realization because you're like, no, 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 I am actually in control of all this, even though you're not, you know, and, and it, it does, it, it all bleeds together. So I'm wondering like for people listening that are maybe stuck in that part, like, it sounds like you were able to kind of identify that for yourself and then sort of like talk to yourself with self-love and like have these conversations. But what if somebody's really struggling to like get to that part? What can they do? That's a great question. And what I want everyone to hear first is like, don't, you know, don't sit here and compare. Don't ever compare. Right. But I've been in right. therapy since I was 12. I've gone through some shit that has forced me to have to look inwards and confront the ugliest truths about myself. And I'm okay saying that it's ugly because they were ugly to me, you know, and there are parts of myself that I didn't think were very pretty and I didn't want to share. So right. uh, don't just, don't, first of all, don't compare. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, how do I, you know, first thing that I would do is um, get my course, know yourself. It's an, it's, it's called know yourself. It's an 11 day mini course on cultivating inner freedom. You can find it at my, on my website at vasvikumar.com. But the number one thing I would do, the second thing that I would do after that is I would really sit down and write out the areas of your life where you don't feel fulfilled. I would just have you just confront it. Like, just be honest, like, and, you know, use, use the major areas of our life. Use your physical health, your spiritual health, mental health, emotional health, finances, friendships, you know, social circle, um, and just, just, you know, movement, right? Like just, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, 
uh, the spiritual area of your life. Sorry, I got stuck on that word, the spiritual area of your life and ask yourself, where am I not fulfilled? Now, this may be a little difficult for you if you're not used to confronting yourself. And so then what I would do is just ask, just maybe pick one area of your life. It's like, and ask yourself, what is something that I wish I could change about myself? Just start with that. What is one thing that I wish I could change about myself? You know, I will tell you right now, one thing that I'm working on is I get, my parents are living with me now for the past, it's going to, it's been a while since they've been, they're going to be, I mean, you know, um, my dad got into an accident and, you know, he's had to live here with my mom and it's great having them here. I know you and I have talked about this. Yeah. Well, one thing that I noticed about myself is like, oh my God, I get triggered by my mom. Like I get, I don't get triggered by really anybody except my mother. And one thing that I'm realizing is, oh my God, I am her and she is me. I'm literally looking at myself. Like literally I am looking, like I am looking at my mother. So I am everything about her that I'm getting triggered about. I'm just getting annoyed with myself because I, she is me manifested in real life. She's the parts of myself that like I have to own. Like my mom is a go-getter. Someone call her, you know, someone, some people could call her aggressive. She's repetitive. She's this, but it's like, boss, you're the same exact way. Are you you're <laughs> broken record? Are you kidding me? So I just been, it's just been, so just look at the things in your life that you want to change. And I'm laughing about it because I think we're funny. I do. I, I think we're very we're very humorous creatures and we got, we can take ourselves seriously, but not so seriously where you lose the joy in life. But that's what I would do. I'd make a list of, of the areas of your life that you're not fulfilled with. And just, you know, and it, just a simpler question is like, what is something that I really want? What do mm. I want? And if you can get honest with that without judging it, that's great. And usually what happens once you get clear on what do I want? When you ask yourself the follow-up question is why haven't I gotten what I want yet? That's when you'll start to uncover those subconscious beliefs. So yeah, that's when you'll start to see how you're getting in your own way and what's been holding you back. So that part though, I think also is where like the brutal honesty has to come in. I've learned this through, you know, working with you and lying to yourself is like dumb. Right. Okay. But I am the queen of lying to myself and I get it. I I get that for me too. Yes. And so that's why, but I think why I'm saying that is because I think what you said in the beginning, like getting a course like yours or like some, like we can't do this alone. Like I hate the term self-help. I hate the term self-help because it's like, if you've been lying to yourself your whole life, do you really think you're going to be able to help yourself? Because you I mean, can lie to yourself. Yeah. yeah. I can lie so good to myself. Like who's going to tell on me myself? So, that's but that's good. why I think like the support of people like yourself or courses like yours or, you know, communities. I know you also have a community of women, uh, which I love. I, just this aspect of being in community and connection with other people, because that's the other thing. I, I was laughing when you were sharing about the parents because my parents are actually also visiting. So it's funny when you haven't been around because of COVID, we haven't been around our families or, or people that know us as intimately as much. And it's like, we've been out of community, right? So it's like, we've kind of been out of the practice of doing that. And I think it is like detrimental to, for our personal health, our success of our businesses or whatever we want to be up to career-wise. So I really want to like hammer that home for people. Like, this is not meant to be done alone. Life is not meant to be done alone. And I'm not talking about like a romantic partner or like 
I'm talking about like getting in relationship with yourself, with other people and community to support you. And I know you, I know you scream this from the rooftops too. So can you share why you feel like that's so important for people? Yeah, because you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created the problem, right? So I, you know, everything that I've ever accomplished in my life has not been done alone. I did not get sober alone. Like there's no way because do you know how many times I tried to quit doing cocaine and I would just literally last like I would last like 48 hours and then something would happen and I would just call my dealer. Like my dealer was my therapist. Do you know what I mean? So no, like I needed some serious help and I needed to be in the community of other recovering addicts and alcoholics. Mm -hmm. So that's really when I, I saw that like, oh my God, hearing other people's stories, first of all, makes you feel like you're not alone, you're not crazy. And then sharing those stories gives you strength, courage, and hope, which is why I created my community, um, Mind Your Own Business. It's called Mind Your Own Business. because I love it. Thank you so much. But we just need to stop focusing so much outside and start focusing within and really focusing on our own goals. And it, it is a truly wonderful mindset and business community where I encourage my members to use their voice to get on camera and to teach. One of the things that I love within the community is that Members get to lead a circle, a class, um, oh, yeah. share their zone of genius. Yeah, share from their zone of genius. But it's so important because we're out there in the world doing our thing. We're moms, we are uh, wives, we are partners, we are business owners, we are just, we're everything to everybody else. And as women, we are conditioned to be the caregivers for everybody. In fact, we're we're considered selfish if we want to do stuff for us first. And we have to check in with our partners and do this. And like, when's the last time you checked in with yourself? Right. And so we're constantly waiting for permission to go be great and to go do the things we want to do. And so there are a lot of women out there who are waiting for permission. And so I created this community as a way for women to share their voice and to step into the, their authoritative role and to be the teacher and to learn from one another. And even if you're, even if you don't have a business and you're like, should I join this community? Yes, because it is so important that you surround yourself with people who are, who are um, vibing on a, at, at, at a higher energy, energetic frequency, right? So we have some members in the community who are full-time employees and they're starting their coaching business on the side. And that's great for them to be around people who are full-time business owners, right? Cause they see what's right. possible. So you, you, the company that you keep will make you or break you. My dad always said, if you roam the mud with pigs, you get up smelling like doo-doo, you get up smelling like shit. but it's so true. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you learning from? When are, where are you, do you have a space and a circle and a community in your life where you can take off your superhero cape and you don't have to answer with, I'm fine when you're actually fucking dying on the inside because you need a place like that. You need a place that you can go to where you can still, you can still stand in your greatness, but also still say, I need help and I need support, you know? Totally. And I think if last year, you know, really taught us anything, it taught us that we can have those intimate connections and we can have that community with people that we aren't necessarily in person with too. Right. Cause I think that's the other great thing. Well, I, I'm part of the community, so I can speak personally. Like I've connected with a lot of amazing women from all over the country and other areas, like Canada all over. So um, we don't have to be in the same place as people anymore. And I think last year really taught us that like to have these connections with people that maybe aren't with us. And, you know, and I love that you said, you know, if someone's listening and they don't have a business, cause I was going to ask that too, you know, I know the answer, but I was going to lead the witness. But like, I think sometimes people, I know that there's, I've got a lot of feedback and a lot of different women are listening to the podcast. And I think sometimes, and I know I've done this in the past where it's like, 
I don't quite know what I want to be up to, or maybe I'm not doing my own business yet, but I want to be. And you feel in this like weird spot where you don't belong in either camp. Like, and I think this is a great way to explore it being in a community like this, because you can really, you can see what other people are up to. You can get curious. And that's what I always say. I'm like, lean into what you're curious about. And the universe is going to show you exactly what you need to be doing. And I, I appreciate you saying that because I, when I created the community, I wanted there to be something for these different camps of people. So let's say you're not much of an extrovert and you don't want to get on Zoom. I'm going to encourage you to come to the calls and show up because showing up is half the battle. Mm. But let's say you don't know and you're figuring it out. I have my signature mindset courses that I've built over the course of 10 years. I have business courses there that you can tap into for yourself and just learn and learn from yourself. So if you're a self-study kind of chick that you can go ahead I can't believe I just said chick. What is this like 1985? Okay. So, you know, if you're, if you're a self-study kind of gal, you want to go through some courses, you can, and then get on one of our live calls where I have asked Vasavi anything and let your fate, let yourself be seen. My thing is I want you to have you be so important that you schedule in these phone calls and, 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 and these zoom calls that we have and these video calls, your, that, that your work, that your presence is needed by you for you to show up on these calls. So that's what, when I, when I tell my members, like you've invested, you know, $129 a month or, you know, 1350 annually for you to come be a part of this community, show up. Like, don't just yeah. let this be another thing that you've put on your credit card. Like, even if you show up to two calls a month and respond to some of the posts in the community, that shows to you that you give a shit. Because if you do not give a shit about yourself, guess what? You're going to start trying to seek out someone else to prove to you that you're worth it. And it's like, it's nobody's job to let you believe that you're you are worth paying attention to. You have to pay attention to yourself and you have to, you know, put in the effort, put in the effort towards yourself. You put in the effort towards everyone else. What about you? Totally. And I also think for me, like when I invest in something, I find that I, I'm more apt to, to do it for myself. Cause I'm like, I don't know. There's something about the exchange of money and like really showing up for something. Mm -hmm. Um, but the other thing that was coming to mind when you were saying that, and this is for the people listening who have a business, I have to say this. If you have a business and you are not showing up consistently on your social media, and I mean, you showing up, you doing videos, you doing posts, you doing reels, you doing TikToks, you have to be doing this stuff. Like Mm -hmm. it is so important in the age that we live in. And if you are uncomfortable with doing that, that's the conversation that we're in. It's like, you have to, you, number one, you have to do this stuff. And I'm Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it like that. Yes. But number two, if you're not comfortable showing up, digging into why, like, why don't you want to show up in those spaces? Right. And that's the other thing that I think you're really good at. And I know that's kind of why, you know, you've really shifted your business to focus on that because you see the importance of you have to show up for your business and you have to show up in those ways, like to be on camera. And there is, I think probably, and you can probably speak more to this, but do you think there is like a correlation where somebody's timid to be on camera and like a self-worth issue? Like, is it like, they kind of have to work through that first to get to the. I I, I don't want to say it's chronological. Like you have to work on this first. I think that the thing that women tell themselves is who's going to want to listen to this. This is stupid. Is anyone even listening? No one cares. And you have to understand that those beliefs that you have have been planted in your seed from a young age, especially as women, we are trained to shut up and not speak, not, not speak until we are spoken to be seen and not heard. And so you got to really ask yourself, like, at what point in my life did I, did I start to believe that my words don't matter? 
that my presence doesn't matter because somewhere along the line, you believe that your existence, your presence, your words don't matter. And so someone did that to you. Someone said, made you believe that. And now you've internalized those beliefs and now you're stifling your own voice. So you're the only thing getting in your way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think honestly, and this podcast is like a perfect example for me is I, I decided to do this for me. And I made the commitment that if not one single person listened to this podcast, I was like, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to show up for myself because that's what I want to do. You know, and it is a, it is a mental shift and it is a process and, you know, it's scary. It's scary Mm -hmm. to think like, you're not going to be picked at the dance or like, you know, you'll be left standing Mm -hmm. on the sidelines or whatever. But if you start to show up for yourself, then Mm -hmm your confidence gets built up and then you're able to show up in such a powerful way for your business and for your customers. And, you know, so. And I, I, I just want to yeah. say this because I don't think I answered your question properly now that I'm mean, not properly like to the fullest extent showing up on camera is a byproduct of you showing up for yourself when no one's watching. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say that. that the reason why I am able to just show up on camera is because I'm doing shit behind closed doors that nobody knows about. I'm the way I'm speaking to myself, the way I'm thinking, the way I'm regulating my emotion, the things that when you don't see me on stories, when I'm not talking about the things, it's the things that I do when nobody is watching that has fostered this confidence within me that allows me to get up on camera. So that's the thing. It's not it is simple. It's not easy, Mel. And I'm not going to blow smoke up anyone's ass to get on camera is difficult. Right. However, to get up on camera and be genuine and not give a fuck what other people think, that's not easy. Okay. That is but not it, easy. But it becomes easier when you start to listen to yourself, soothe yourself, cater to your own needs, um, work on your self-talk, really start to look at your thought patterns, your belief systems, how you're treated in other areas of your life, keeping small promises to yourself behind closed doors. When you're in, in, in integrity with yourself, when nobody's watching, your self-esteem goes up. When your self-esteem goes up, you become someone not to be fucked with and you don't give a shit what other people think of you. So you can just get on camera with, I mean, if you just look at my hair right now, I mean, I don't even know what's going on with my little sideburns here, but they're like curly cues. I don't care. This is, this. I'm sweaty. My armpits actually smell like, go figure. I never really have sweaty, sweaty. Like you could just talk about what's going on and I don't care what your, what your listeners are thinking about me because I'm right. just, I'm just being honest. And that's what I want for every woman. Just share what's going on, provide value. You don't need to be perfect. You just need to be true to yourself. And when you're true to yourself, magic happens. I love that so much. I love that. Okay. So, um, we're going to probably wrap up here, but before we leave each other, I do want everyone to, I don't know if you mentioned where they can find you, if they do want to check out some of your offerings and all that kind of stuff. Do you want to share that info? Yes, absolutely. So um, feel free to always DM me on my Instagram. My handle is my name is Vasavi. If you are interested in any of my courses or even checking out the membership community, go to vasavikumar.com. If you are listening to this and you're like, man, I really think it's time for me to just kind of, you know, uh, dip my toe in the water with this course, go ahead, uh, the Know Yourself course. But I will say this, when you become a member of my community, you get access to all my courses. So, um, but it, Honestly, the choice is yours. So just head to vasvikumar.com. It's very, everything's very self-explanatory. And uh, yeah, let me know if you have any questions. I'm here for you. You will also love all her reels. She is so, so, so funny and good. Yeah, the dancing. Is I got a new one coming up that I'm going to do oh, after good. I shower and clean my armpits. The people will love it. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me. 
Um, this woman has been such a really catalyst for me to even do this podcast. So thank you so much for being that space for me. And thank you for being on the podcast and sharing all your wisdom and your experiences. And I'm so excited to see what else you create. Um, thank you so much. Thanks, Melly, for having me. You're on. welcome. And I hope that everybody enjoys the rest of their day. Um, as always, if anybody out there listening has a story of resilience that they would like to share with myself and the others, um, you can always find me at the Flower Social ATX on Instagram. So you can uh, hit me up there and we can connect and you can share your beautiful story. And in the meantime, have a lovely rest of your day, rest of your week, and we will see you next week.